Hello and welcome to episode 208 of What Most People Think. And I am, this is, I'm recording on the Monday after the Wimbledon tennis final on the Sunday. And just as a little observation, I don't know if you're a tennis fan, got to be the least literate of any sport fans. I mean, you just get the impression watching Wimbledon tennis that, that those two weeks are the only two weeks of their lives that they think of tennis. The moment that the tennis finishes, they don't think about it again to the following year. And and whenever you see a tennis fan interviewed as to what they thought of the game, they just they just use a string of superlatives that sort of denote the fact that they know absolutely fuck all about the game. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, such, you know, such great shots by by Jocko, by by Jocko, you know, and, and the, the Spanish guy with the shit hair. What wonderful times. So um to share in this piece of cynicism or not is this week's co-host, uh Nick Dixon. Am, am I being harsh on tennis fans here? Uh, well, you've hit me with a tennis question right out the gate, Jeff. Wasn't expecting it. Um, I, I know what you mean. It's it's like uh, it's like people play tennis just once a year when they see Wimbledon. You know what I mean? Mm. Go down the courts. They've got coloured balls. Remember those you know, those kind of like pink yeah, yeah. and green ball. They can't hit a backhand to save their lives. They they can't serve, and they just play. Just they see Wimbledon. They play for one week. Clog up the courts. I sound like a proper proper like Tory here. Clog, clog up the courts. <laughs> I haven't played for years myself. But what I did, yeah. Jeff, they clog up the court with their lobbing it with their no backhand, and then you don't see them again the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not buying it as a sport. Like there's most sporting events, you get the level, you get the sense that there's a good percentage of people in the crowd that have a level of expertise, like the way that they react to things. But the tennis crowd, I suppose there's always been that jealousy um, from comedians that in the post match interview that they do on pitch, I mean, I know it's been commented on before, but it's so fucking easy to get a laugh. It's just oh, yeah. insanely easy to get a laugh. You just have to do a wry smile and they're pissing themselves. Um, we're going to be talking this week about um, just this morning. We've had this uh, this push that Rishi Sunak has had about uh, rip off degrees. And obviously Twitter has lost its mind. It's exactly the sort. I mean, to a degree that makes me think that Rishi might be onto something. Uh, we're going to talk about the the, uh, the the pay offer to the unions and the uh, sort of doctors and, and teaching unions and the reaction to that. And off the back of that, Keir Starmer did a big interview with uh, Laura Koonsberg yesterday. So there's some interesting things coming out of that. And and obviously I wasn't there. Um, the whole Hugh Edwards thing kind of played out and then finished between me doing the last episode and this episode. So it'd be more reflections on a scandal. Uh, and just be speaking to Nick about where he's sort of coming from on that. And then just finally, I mean, I don't know if we'll have time for all of this, but uh, the hypocrisy of footballers. We've got um, Jordan Henderson, uh, who's be, who's looking, I think he might have already signed with a Saudi club. And of course, you know, people would say, well, because he can do what he wants. He's, you know, he's just trying to improve his situation. But um, he was running around with the rainbow laces on. I mean, that. so there is going to be an issue for this generation of footballers that have t- taken big flag-waving uh, virtuous stances once the money starts being offered. And um, New patrons, uh, just a reminder that there are big things coming. There's changes afoot with this podcast, and they're all going to be good, and they're going to benefit the patrons most. So do stay tuned for that. But as you know, Nick, new patrons, we roast their name. So first up, we've got Sinead Maguire here. Um, That's and, good. And, and the, like the, the lost member of the cause. <laughs> Sinead McGuire, yeah, the, the the drug-addled one that, that actually you suddenly <laughs> watch a about. you watch a, a Netflix documentary and they go, oh, they were actually a five-piece for the first two years. <laughs> what happened to Sinead? We don't talk about Sinead. That'll be that'll be what it's it'll be called. Sad. 
Yeah, we don't we don't talk about Sinead. And it would, it would be one of those documentaries that would start really upbeat and then it'd go, but what a lot of people don't know is there, there was, was a, a fifth that... core. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got uh, um, somebody who signed up called Graham, just called Graham. So I don't know wow. whether that's a, um, a truncation it, of their surname. Yeah, that's also the American way of saying Graham, isn't it? Something like Graham Parsons. Or was he actually called Graham? Sometimes they, they pronounce Graham yeah. as Graham. There was Graham Parsons, a singer. That's the only Graham I've ever heard of, except for like in, a hip way of saying Instagram, obviously. Yes. Well, I mean, that took a while to get your head around because um, obviously Graham for a long time was a drugs reference. And then um, then I saw, I think it was somebody off Made in Chelsea going, oh, a girl's got to have her Graham. I've always got to have my Graham with me. I was like, love, love, you've got, you've got to keep that quiet. You know what I mean? I know it's part <laughs> of showbiz, but um, uh, but it turns out that it, it, it's changed it's changed um, meaning again. Yeah, Graham, maybe Graham works in a particularly sort of uh, progressive establishment. So maybe... Maybe Graham is a sub-editor at The Guardian, i.e. like he doesn't really, you know, it's a very technical job that he does for The Guardian and hates everybody that he works with. And this yeah. this podcast is a little bit of his release. Yeah, there's a lot of that about, isn't there? Do you have a lot of them? A few, yeah, yeah. I can tell the, mo- the moment they have a, a sort of uh, pseudonym. Dodgy name. Right? Definitely not a Guardian journalist. Uh, we've got, got Michael Harper oh. here. Michael Harper and Sinead Maguire both sound like people that were originally charged and, and prosecuted with something to do with the Troubles, but then latterly uh, were successful on appeal. Michael Harper, was it Michael Harper? I'm getting a sort of conductor vibe, like he's involved in like the proms or something. This this year with Michael Harper, you know what I mean? Well, I want the younger conductors coming through. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it just came to me. It's very, it's very early in the morning for me, Jeff. I've been very ill. You didn't give me a chance to moan about that at the start, but I just, I've... I don't care about. I just want to talk, say funny things about the news. I, that's all I do now. I mean, I pop <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, Jeremy straight into it. He didn't even say hello, guys. You, no, you didn't, no. he didn't even say hello. He just went, Nick. We're doing news. Yeah, we're getting. Yeah, no, that's what, that's all I exist to do now. Just funny, funny jokes about the news and, and fuck off. That's my job. Um, <laughs> Patrick uh, Quest- Cresswell, Patrick Cresswell, um, I think is a returning patron. So do remember, if you've stopped seeing notifications uh, for uh, Patreon, and also, by the way, I just checked uh, Patreon, and there is um, there's quite a few messages that I hadn't had notifications for. So I'm going to start replying to all of those. It's going back a couple of weeks. For some reason, they've stopped notifying me of those. But uh, do remember that if you go onto Patreon, look up Jeff Norcott or what most people think, there's loads of different benefits. And one of them is you've got a d- direct line to the big guy himself. Um, who I'm, is me, obviously. I, I do all of this, Nick. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I'm, I thought you meant Biden, but it is it's just you. It's just, yeah, it's it's just me. And you you can message me, as as I've said, no dick pics. That's all I'm, that's my only, that's the only yeah. rule. After the incident. After the incident. Although, like, you know, with dick pics, I mean, the ones that, well, I've immediately gone into dodgy territory here, but so a lot of the girls get them on Instagram. And obviously Instagram is, is a fucking cesspit because every time you get a new female follower, it says uh, account is private, which basically says I've had some awful things off men, right? But so you can get messages like in the blocked bit and they're blurred and it's almost too much of a carrot because it says this message has been blurred. Do you want to unblur it? I, I can't speak for ladies. I'd be unblurring every fucking message of that. You would, Jeff, but that's because you haven't seen just a multitude of dicks. It would change you, I mm. feel. You think now you'd you'd be on blurring stuff, but once you've on blurred a few dicks, I I, I think you you stop on blurring. Yeah, 
I mean, it must be. I'm just, I'm just interested. Do they send them because they're particularly well hung and they want to share that information, or is it, or are they looking to be shamed or insulted? I, I don't really. Well, Jeff, when I do it, it's. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think it's some sort of compulsion, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I guess it's. I guess it's a. a a power play. I, I, I mean, I'd imagine what the strike rate um, of anything successful. Uh, what is that? Less than point one of a percent. It's got to be, isn't it? Where where a woman goes, oh yeah. Do you remember in Succession where Roman sends? It? I hate to always go on about Succession, but it is the best show on telly. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, when yeah, he sends the dick pic and then uh, he's, Logan's considering firing Jerry. He's like, and Roman goes, "I'm not exactly what you call a radical feminist, but maybe we shouldn't fire fire Jerry for receiving a picture of my dick." Is one of my <laughs> so that's the power play element. I love that we maybe shouldn't fire for receiving a dick pic. Yeah, but if they look, I know that I have some female listeners uh, emailing what most people think UK at gmail.com. And, and just see, this is where I can talk like an FM radio DJ, but about things that they never say. Just let me know what has your experience been with dick pics been? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing the starting point is almost all horrific, but um, have you, have you, oh my God. Yeah. Any good struck, ones? Yeah, any good ones? Pros and cons. Yeah, and it has struck up any lifelong friendships there where your guy's gone, oh, actually, look, sorry, I'm just, I'm just rubbish with icebreakers. And actually, that's my nickname for my dick, is the icebreaker. <laughs> Domain talker. See, this is what happens when I get like people like yourself and Leo on. He's, he's, I immediately go start saying things that will get me in trouble. But that, that's, that's a good thing, I think. Um, domain talking point. So as, as you might remember, David Domain is our super patron. Um, so he talks about things from last week's episode, which was with Aaron Bastani. Really interesting episode that a lot of people were surprised by Aaron because they think he's coming from this full on kind of judgy, hard left Corbynista thing. But he's, there's a lot of nuance going on with Aaron at the moment. So do listen back to that. Um, first up, we spoke about uh, Threads, the new um, the new sort of Twitter alternative. Diet Twitter, maybe, is a way of calling it. Um he said, uh, isn't it ironic that Fred's is meant as a positive platform, yet shares its name with the bleakest and most harrowing film ever made? I mean... Oh, really? That's, isn't it like, so- I see it as like a, a word we used to say for clothes in North, but but is it actually a, a, a harrowing film? Oh, my God. If you're not aware, you're a bit younger than me, Nick. And Threads was about, Thank you. Uh, about the nuclear holocaust, if it happened um, in Britain. And my dad... Uh, made not made me watch it, but let me watch it, and 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 I basically had a, a fear of nuclear war um, from from, from the many do, Jeff. Many do. Yeah, but we live we live next to a train line, and every train that went past, I was like, "This is it. The Russians are coming." You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Please. so Threads has that name. Are, are you on Threads at all? No, it's Thread was. Uh, it seems it seems like the woke thing, doesn't it? It's kind of like sorry. I mean, I know some of your. You get some woke guests on here, Jeff. I know you play both sides, but um, it, it threads. I, I don't bit... even. I reject the term woke. I mean, doesn't woke just mean being polite, Nick? <laughs> it just means being aware of injustice, Jeff. I don't know yeah, why being you didn't alive to social injustice. That's um, all it means. That's all it all it means to everybody is. That's all it means. Threads looks a bit mastered on to me. I mean, I thought about. Mm. You know, what? I'll be really honest. What I always do with any new app is I go in and immediately bagsy my name. You yes. know, because because it's very hard to get Nick Dixon, and I bagsied it on Parler. And which didn't come to anything. And I bagged it on Getter, which is mm. sort of all right. But then when Musk took over Twitter, it didn't seem necessary. So um sorry, Jason, who runs it. But it's uh but then I tried to do it with threads, but he just wanted to import my Instagram with my existing rubbish name. And I just went, oh, I didn't bother. That was as far as I got. Because my the whole reason there was to bag my name. Well, I think that what happened was for about seven years after Brexit, a lot of people were saying, wouldn't it be just be nice if there was like a Twitter where everybody's just lovely? And friends have come along and gone, uh, here's why. 
because this is incredibly tedious. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just had a flick on it today, and it was just some famous person going, "How's everyone's Monday?" And right, I'm going, you right. don't mean Bad, it. You obviously. don't. Yeah. You don't mean that. Like you don't, you don't individually care what everyone's Monday is like. No, and didn't Mastodon already perform that function? And for a while, like mm. you know, if you saw like here's my Mastodon handle in a Twitter bar, you knew you were dealing with an absolute tool, right? I've gone, I'm going to Mastodon, guys. I'm leaving Twitter. Just a bit Twitter. nicer. Yeah, know. it's a bit nicer. And most Twitter is a cesspit. Then they didn't leave. And, no, didn't, and Mastodon isn't anything. So I think Threads is bollocks. I could be wrong. It could be massive. It could It could. Well, win, I but... mean, everyone's there, including me, just as a hedge in case Twitter goes down and this takes off. But I just think it almost it almost improves Twitter because you suddenly see, oh, yeah, like the, it's it, Twitter is a marketplace for ideas. And, and once you have ideas, you have argument. And that is just what it is, right? The moment you strip it out to people just exchanging, like, oh, what, what are your top five Greta Gerwig films? Oh, fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I really... I really, I've, I've got nice, the thing is, if you recognise that social media isn't real life, then you get your positivity from the people around you and your friends and stuff. So you can actually deal with the toxicity because of that. The people uh, who seem to really struggle. That's I'm going wrong. I have no friends. Well, the people that struggle with social media are the people that have given it, accorded it the status of being real life when it patently isn't. Yeah, that's what I've done. That's the, that's the problem. <laughs> I don't have any friends in real life. I was going to talk about that later, actually. The culture war is getting me so down because... When I was, I mean, I was ill for last week with a viral stomach bug. Not that anyone cares or that you've asked, but it may maybe a bit I will out. Edit of this bit out, just full disclosure. Yeah, we'll edit this bit out. And it's terrible for your show, Joe, because it means I haven't followed the topics as much as I normally do. I didn't have enough calories in me because I stopped eating to actually follow the culture war. But it is, it has, been, it is really grim following the culture war for a living, which I have to do with my mm. TV stuff and my podcasts. Is, do you find it that way, Jeff? Or have you got real friends to sort of bolster no, well, I just, you? I, I just don't think it's what's really going on. I think that big story, I think it's, I, I, it makes more sense to me to treat stories in, individually and on merit, sometimes linking them to a wider sort of ideology, but mostly not. You know, so like the idea that, say, for example, what's going on in, in the curriculum, you could say that's part of the woke agenda, but I also think that, you know, the teaching has historically often exceeded its mandate in terms of what they believe their role is in the life of children. You know, that's not like a brand new thing. It's just occurring under a different label. So I just try and do it all yeah, on a case-by-case case basis. I would say it's part of the woke agenda. The woke mind virus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of thing I would say. Do you know, you just as we talk about the word woke, both sides piss me off on this because on the one hand, it does get used to just mean stuff I don't like, right? It's it's clearly overused as a word. But on the other hand, when people do sort of say it's just it's just about like it's just about good manners, you go, do you think all these arguments would be happening if it was just a case of being polite? Like like the like the moment you sort of try to tell people how they should view words, change the words that they use, and change their view of history. It's a bit more than just being polite, I would argue. Yeah, not particularly polite. Is it to also call people things like cisgender when they don't want to be or to sort of try and get children to convince them they need to transition? Is this politeness? That's one of the most absurd gaslighting claims that wokeness is. People used it for political correctness slightly more credibly, although I'm also against political correctness, but people like Andrew Doyle are pro-political correctness and thought it was basically healthy and basically was about politeness. I think there's an argument to be made. When it comes to woke, there's just that's just there's no argument. It's just, there's just pure gaslighting. Well, I mean, also like words like virtue signaling, a lot of people would try and dismiss that and say that's just a word that we've brought in to try and stop people, stop nice people from being nice. And you think, well, if that's a brand new word, what did sanctimonious mean then? I mean, it's just the same thing, right? 
Mm. It's just, it's almost like the parent company it stays the same. I mean, for, give you another example. Is in the last ten years we've had woke, but before that we've had social justice warriors, and we've had political correctness. I feel like you know when you find out that one company makes all the breakfast cereals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's do a quick thank you and a fuck you. I just so I had, I had one of my biggest pylons on Twitter recently, and of course it was nothing to do with politics. And everything to do with the fact that I'd said that you two were the greatest band of all time. And 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 it's funny because people you couldn't see this, but Nick just pulled an awful face here. <laughs> it's uh, obviously the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys are the best band of all time. Everyone knows that. Well, how long how long did they keep an unbroken lineup for? No idea. Right. How many albums? It. How because many Brian Wilson years he, he stopped touring, didn't he? You think well, it's all about the unbroken lineup, Jeff? You think it's, it's like a lineup no, you... issue? It's like a football squad. It's like we have this, we've played the same team all season. You think it, who cares about the unbroken lineup? No. The Beach Boys it's had a... to break their lineup because Brian Wilson refused to go on tour. He had a panic attack where he screamed into a pillow on an airplane. Then he said, right, mm. I'm just staying in the studio and I'm going to create some of the greatest masterpieces of all time, which is what he did. But but how, so it's an aggregation of unbroken lineup, classic albums. How many tours did those tours redefine live touring in the same way that Zoo TV or Pop Mart did? I mean, I just think if you just <laughs> ag- I'm not saying like on a pound for pound basis, like the You've Beatles might have had cartridge on this, haven't you? Did those tours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, you know what I could do as well. Do you remember when you two used to tour and in the tabloids they would have those little boxes on the story that would tell you like 15 miles of cabling? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. two two thousand roadies and that this was all supposed to be this was before we thought all of those things were killing the planet now that would be like a charge seat against the artist yeah that's true do you know what though jeff i'm i'm not a, i'm not a hater because you two have some incredible uh albums and songs but joshua tree when we were growing up you know my parents had it, it was unbelievable and you listen to it now there's some live versions where Bono, things like um still haven't found what i'm looking for and the way he belts it out, and it's got a Christian theme, which I like. You know, he talks about mm. his Christian belief in it. He says, you know, I believe it. And on the live one, he goes, and I still do. You know, when he's talking about you, you uh, Jesus carrying the cross in, in that song. But his voice was incredible back in the day. And the passion, and every song on the album, they're absolutely belting it out. So I'm not anti you 2 by any means. I'm just mm. saying they're not the best band of all time. That's all. Best band, pound for pound, of all time. There is something to be said as well for Larry Mullen Jr. And is it Adam Clayton? Because they're Mm. the sort of unsung heroes of the band, really, aren't they? Just sticking around. So I know what you mean about the lineup. The rhythm section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unsung by who? You know, you two fans. We've always, we've always. I mean, it is, it is kind of funny that there are two halves of you two. On the one hand, it's a bloke called Bono and a bloke called The Edge, and then on the other half, there's a guy called Larry and a guy called Adam. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Larry Mullen Jr. is like, are you a golfer? Like he's like the fact you know it's like the Larry Mullen the third or something. It's that weird American thing of like Junior. It doesn't even you know it's like are you a are you a senator in the nineteen sixties in America? It's just like a weird. It doesn't fit at all, does it? Well, my my name Jeff Norcott. My dad was called Jeff Norcott too. If I'd have been called Jeff Norcott Junior, I would have had to have gone into music. Right, I thought you meant for a second your dad was Jeff Norcott the second, and you'd be Jeff Norcott three, but you meant to the word, not not would- the number. But you'd be well, Jeff there's a Norcott part of Jr. me. There was a part of me that wanted to call my son also Jeff Norcott, just as a comic rule of three. It would just <laughs> been a very satisfying way to tie it all up in a bow. But uh, my wife, my wife wasn't having it probably wisely. And um, the fuck you is is all over to you for this one, Nick. So hang on, your thank you was to you too. Yeah, for being the greatest ever. <laughs> 
that's the most middle-aged thank you. I just want to thank you too, guys. We're going to keep consistent hit. Just want to say, um, just thank you for the songs. Thank you for the memories. Yeah, the biggest all, band, the biggest tours. That's so funny. You sound like the guy in Spinal Tap. When you've loved and lost like Frank has, but he's talking about Frank Sinatra. Um, guys, when you've created as many hits as you too, I think I'm going to go with the enemies of GB News that keep trying to get us shut down and get my job shut down. GB News, right? And not all of your listeners will like it, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, I'm going off. Some of your guests won't, definitely won't like it. But mm. it's this channel that we're regulated by Ofcom. We have a range of views. We have all kinds of people. We have Lewis Schaefer on there, you know, who's just like, a, what's he doing on there? You know, kind of like mad comedians. And, and mm. of course, yes, then there's your garages as well. But there's a whole mix of people and a whole mix of views. And, and But we have this idea where this evil thing and stop funding hate keeps attacking us and attacking our advertising. Now Stop Funding Heat, which is the devil child of Stop Funding Hate, have now managed to get Grind Coffee to boycott, even though the CEO was on the channel. And I'm so sick of waking up every day and seeing there's a new attack, or now they're attacking Dan Wharton with what, at the time of recording, are very spurious claims. And it's just, it's just these constant attacks. And you're like, can I just be allowed to just have this job without people trying to destroy it and the fact that we can't get advertising still is massively damaging so these things work and who is it just some cranks on the internet and that is that is the real fuck you so yeah it's a stop funding hey i mean i suppose the thing with gb news is it does have a range of voices on it. you're quite right and but it puts out these clips and then naturally the clips that will get seized on by both the right and the left will be the most right-wing stuff right because the right-wing people want to go see and left-wing people want to go, see, this is exactly what I said it, w- it would be. And, and and I don't think that people really do understand, as you say, the implications of being Ofcom regulated. I just don't think that they understand it. Well, we have people it like Amy. That, but so just to clear, what and even people that think they understand it, Ofcom means that your, your output has to be balanced across the totality of your output, not minute by minute and not like it or every set 10-minute section or every program, a- across the totality of your output. Right, exactly. And and we have people like Amy Nickel on there, who's you know, very nice. I always say to Amy, you're so nice, it's a pity about all your views. But her views are like wildly like left, mad, you, mm. whichever word one you would use. And I, I may have said before, but I've had I've heard people twice on the channel advocate abortion up to nine months, Jeff. So what what's that? That's an extreme, to me, an mm. insane view to me, murder. But nonetheless, it's hardly like an echo chamber if you have a view that I think is murder and probably should put you in prison versus my view you know so it's certainly a range of views is my point and by the way we can throw Ofcom in there as well to some degree because they seem to be targeting us that we had this cash campaign about hey maybe cash is good guys and we were targeted for that you know you can do anything you like on the BBC and you'll get defended which we'll get into but on GB News you can't defend cash without Ofcom launching and, and people do these tar- it's not Ofcom's fault necessarily because people do these targeted mass complaints against it and so then Ofcom feel they have to follow up so it's just the whole channel's under attack from, from all these sources. And it is because, I'm afraid, it is just threatening the establishment. Hate to get all conspiracy. It's the well, matrix, Jeff. It is. I mean, what is funny, I've always thought with the criticisms of GV News, on the one hand, they've often sort of tried to dick shame it by talking about how pathetic and insignificant it is and no audience. And then on the other hand, that it's sort of going to, I don't know, make your charge set up a GoFundMe to Andrew Tate. Are you? There is a part of you that just thinks, which is it? It's either this kind of like cranky irrelevance or, or or it's something that has a seat at the table. And I think you're right. You know, certainly the ratings suggest that have demonstrated that there is there is definitely an audience. OK, let's get into the politics chat.
right. So we're just going to react to a story that's come out um, this morning, just briefly. Is uh, Rishi Sunak, and, and he has hinted at this before, but but he wants to have a crackdown on on rip off degrees. And by this, I guess the word he can't use is Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Mickey Mouse degrees, and I suppose these would be defined that people that they don't have any vocational um, merit, direct vocational merit, they have a low ratio of um, translating into higher earnings or a high dropout rate and stuff. So, so that that is, I don't think, I don't think wildly controversial. Um, and I didn't really know exactly how I thought about it until I saw Twitter just losing its fucking mind. And, and I thought it's just that classic example of the difference between that space and the real world. I think right now, a lot of parents who are having to bankroll kids, uh, help kind of subsidise them. Ne- there's never been more scrutiny on what university courses that kids are doing. So a prime minister mentions that. And then I think there are, you know, I suppose a, a certain type of liberal person that, basically thinks that he doesn't want anybody to read books ever again. Is, is is that is that their fear? Yeah, it may be, Jeff. I mean, you're right. Firstly, the, yeah, the phrase he can't say is Mickey Mouse. The other phrase he can't say is gender studies. It's really a ban on gender studies. It's a war on gender <laughs> studies degrees. That's how I took it. You only just sprung this on me one second before the show, but we did cover it last night on Headliners. And my take was, yeah, it basically means gender studies. But the thing is, a lot of these degrees, people aren't paying back the loans ever so and and then and then they eventually get wiped after like 30 years whatever it is so actually as people have pointed out the taxpayer ends up paying for these courses so it is people talk about the debt there's the individual debt which is mm. unfortunate that people are in and then there's the debt that, that the country's paying in the end so yeah but there's always this argument isn't there about how vocational how how much the, the degree should be about getting a job versus an education for its own sake and i do think the latter is important but that's also been undermined by the politicization of a lot of these courses. So I, I, you know, things like English literature were valuable and were seen as valuable more when my dad was growing up. By the time I, I came to do it, it's like it was it was all postmodernism, postcolonialism. It had been hijacked by I hate to say it, Jeff, but leftist politics has hijacked it. Uh, the and white didn't mind learn, virus. Yeah, you didn't learn about the canon anymore and the classics because they were all racist. And you just learned about deconstructing them, but you didn't actually get to construct them so you, in the first place. Come on, you must have learned the ca- quite a few of the canon. No, anything like, good. Bit of Shakespeare. Uh, yeah, maybe Shakespeare. Most good things I, I've read, you know, just unilaterally on my own, autodidactically, was it, everything on the course was like Derrida and oh, let's deconstruct, oh, let's do Roland Barthes. And it was all the kind of people, stuff that people cite now is ruining the whole culture, this postmodernist thought. You know, you, you do things like, um, Chinua Akebi, who wrote a decent book called Things Fall Apart, yeah. you do Akebi saying that Conrad was racist for writing Heart of Darkness, but Heart of Darkness wasn't like a necessary book on the, it was like an optional extra. It's like, shouldn't we read Heart of Darkness first though? And then we can destroy it. So it's all stuff like that. So universities have undermined themselves when it comes to the education for its own sake argument by becoming politicized and by not offering Well, value. I mean... There's definitely. I was a teacher during the Blair years, the education, education, education years, and um, I and I was one of those people. I was going like, go, go to university, guys, all of you. They're like, all of us. I'm like, yeah, every single one. They're like, why? Because you have to do it because it will make it will change your life forever in a brilliant way. And they're like, okay, but I'm not that academic. It doesn't matter. Just go and do a really shit degree, get the debt. And they're like, well, what, what, I'm doing drama at De Montfort. You're like, that's definitely going to set you up for life. That is, that is, even, that is basically the same as physics from Durham. 
Yeah, um, so it, that, that was so wild, all... the 50% target. And then it obviously devalues anyone that has the degree. And yeah. then there's a whole weird underclass that don't have a degree at all. And that's half the population. And, you know, complete, and then it stops all these people going into other things like apprenticeships, which is what Sunak was emphasizing. I heard him speaking this morning about this. And he's, he's saying, oh, look, we want people going into apprenticeships. That, that's been said for a long time. And oh, this yeah, is just yeah. a gesture towards that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Sunak, that was one of his big stances this week. And then there was obviously the pay offer from last week, which was that the government uh, were going to accept the uni- the pay recommendation that, that basically was somewhere between five and an absolute maximum of 7% for public sector workers. And, and you did sort of think, well, look, uh, you know, it feels like that was the landing space, you know, numbers wise between, well, I mean, some of the unions were asking for 35%, which is patently fucking ridiculous. But um does this need to be, is he right? Like, does this need to be the end of it when he's saying no more negotiations, this is it? Not forever, but like for, for this year. Is is that a, is, is this good for him? Does he look strong what he's done it? Well, no, I don't have my usual very strong stance on this, partly because I've been ill, partly because the, the, the nature of the topic is a little bit like, mm. I'm, it's always, you always have a slight worry about attacking doctors, don't you? Like, you're, like, you're on the telly attacking doctors, then one day like you, you need treatment and he's like, this this fucking guy <laughs> yeah, in the back yeah, of your head. Yeah, you're like, yeah. I'm not going to attack the ambulance workers too much in case there's like a picture of me up in the staff room, like with darts being thrown at it. I always think, well, oh, the doctors, but yeah, the teachers have accepted 6.5, haven't they? And as as far as I understand, and the doctors are holding out. Yeah, it's quite. It is. It, there's the argument that it can go to other areas of the NHS that need it more, and and GP appointments and so on. There's also the argument I found fairly compelling. You you always hear this like. Well, what about all this ridiculous diversity, equity, and inclusion they're spending? And you think, oh, maybe that's just a kind of talking point. But actually, mm. they are spending 427 million on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It has 8,000 workers dedicated to it. So you do think thousand could take a bit of that money? Yeah, isn't that? That crazy? is an arresting statistic. I would say you're right because it does seem like a bit of a safe space for um, right wingers to go to. But that that seems like a, a lot of people to to ensure that something's happening that probably was mostly going to happen anyway. Yeah, so if it was coming from that, I'd be fine. I'd be like, if you're giving that to the doctors, give them mm. the whole 427 million. I get rid of every all 8,000. It, it, it's, not, it's not coming from new money, though. So they are going to have to find the money from somewhere. But like, cons- I think consultants are holding out. I mean, one of the, the things... The visa that- thing was how they, they're going to get it from rises in visa application fees. Did you hear that? That's one place they might take it from. Okay. Well, the, the immigration consultants- health surcharge, that, all that stuff. Well, the one of the things that's often said by the unions is they keep saying, well, this is still a real terms pay cut. And I think that that is true up to a point. Right. So it's very simple maths of it is if you are earning 100 grand a year and inflation is 8 percent and you get an eight and, and your outgoings are less than the totality of your wage. Right. Uh, or half of that, maybe or two thirds. You, you, a six to seven percent pay offer may well still be a real terms increase. That that argument matters most at, at the bottom end, and and it's really odd the way that that's over, overlooked. Like um, inflation, like you say, I, I wonder if it could just be more targeted um, at the lower paid. The idea that consultants are trying to claim that they've had a real terms pay cut. You know, when they're still getting an extra six, seven percent. Again, I think you're right. Consultants are the last people in the world that want to piss off. Where uh, they're sort of looking at me, going, "Oh, I think you're fine. I think, I think that, that yeah. I, I, look, I'm not going to check, but I, I think it's benign. I'm like, well, I don't know. It's, it's a lot bigger than it was <laughs> yeah. last week, mate. Go, I'm not, I'm not oh, paid you... enough to deal with this. 
Yeah, no, I saw you on Talk TV the other day, mate. Yeah, saying, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you normally seem, uh, you know, you, um, you're, you said that people should trust their, trust their gut instinct. So I'm going to go without a scan or a biopsy this time. So, yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a qualified critique. On uh, Laura Koonsberg on Sunday, there was a big Keir Starmer interview, the last one before his sort of summer break. And, you know, she she it was it was classic Starmer, basically. It was a sort of Starmer sort of word salad bingo where you didn't really get clear answers on, on many things. And and he did what he did sort of wade in into this pay dispute. So he sort of said, look, you know, the government have got to get back round the, you know, they've got to get back round the table. And then so she said the really obvious thing to that was like, so you think they should neg- negotiate again, which means that you think that they should get more money still, because that's the only reason that you would go back to it. And he was like, no, no, I'm not saying that. But what the fuck are you saying then, Keir? And then it was so incredible because it's almost like he didn't see how this could flip back on him. And he said, look, I'm not going to wade in uh, to this debate. You're waded, mate. You're up to your fucking neck in pond water <laughs> in this. And 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 then, he, then it was funny because he then started taking refuge in his own talking points of saying, He's going to grow the economy, which I mean, is just like a standard fucking thing that any government wish to do, and that he's laser focused. And and I, I just, I, I mean, I don't know if you saw the interview, but there is this feeling with Starmer from growing from a lot of people is that it'd be nice if just once he stood for something or said anything. Yeah, I did see it, and um, I also listened to your Aaron Bastani episode, and he pointed out that Starmer doesn't believe in anything, and I do tend to agree with the caveat that he was the editor of Socialist Alternative, and he's a Pabloist, which is a subset of um, Trotskyism, I believe. So you've got this left-wing background, but he doesn't seem to believe anything now because his whole thing is, don't mess it up and get into power. Don't say mm. anything that could ruin this for me. So he's like Neo in The Matrix, like dodging bullets, like any political question. He just <laughs> doesn't answer it just, it, any question. And this one, yeah, they're like, well, what would you do? Well, I would grow the economy. And, and he said, <laughs> he said, we have to grow, grow, grow our economy. He left out gently down the stream. And it was like the most this ridiculous <laughs> comment. It's like, what a generic comment, as you say. And also mm. Liz Truss tried it. It didn't work out for her. But what is your answer to this immediate pay dispute with doctors now? Would it, Are they right to ask for more? Well, I would grow the economy. Yeah, but that's like a... 20-year project you know it's completely mm. irrelevant it's not, it's not something yeah yeah, yeah yeah all right he said he said well i'm not even in the room and you seem to have plenty <laughs> of opinions on something you're not in the fucking room for mate but it was so but if you're saying that right growing the economy is an answer you go to the uh what is it the b the bma is that the union and they say right what, how are we going to resolve this and you tell them i'm going to grow the economy they go yeah, yeah. all right I, I, I think you've walked into the wrong meeting mate i think that the are you going to grow the economy meeting is, is <laughs> yeah, down yeah. The, this is are you going to pay us any more yeah. fucking money and it was interesting that laura Koonsberg pointed out that people see him as a fiscal conservative and there was this little sort of twinkle in his eye like like he is you know and he, he, did, he did not reject the term he sort of said that people can people can describe me any way they want but you know to be fair to yeah, he's been talking I, about being at the benefits cap hasn't he the, the two child benefits cap was another big story last night and he was talking about he, he wants to get rid of the idea that labor just spend 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 right yeah and I, it's really weird because there does seem an appetite certainly in the public for you know a bit of spend 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 um they just they just don't want to pay for it is you know the classic thing with the the general public. I did wonder at sort of being fair to Labour about the NHS because it's such a shibboleth, right? That the Tories, if ever they try to reform it or anything, immediately the default is they're trying to sell it to some Texan billionaire. That's like there's no middle ground. We just go straight to the fucking final page of that novel. 
I wondered, I suddenly wondered, somebody like Wes Streeting, may Labour actually be better positioned to make some decent reforms to the NHS because they can do it without people claiming that it's some sort of existential destruction? Yeah, absolutely. I've said that for ages. Yeah, as soon as the Tories are evil Tories selling off our NHS, yeah, where Streeting could come in and say, uh, guys, this doesn't work, by the way. This doesn't work and we need to massively reform it. And then it's fine because he's saying yeah. that's absolutely it. And the Tories, because of their sort of toxic image amongst so much of the public, you just can't do that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, where Streeting could suggest one thing and it would be seen as, you know, part of much needed reforms, whereas... The same thing, you know, done by Jacob Rees-Mogg, and it would be one of those cartoon caricatures of, of him being like an evil-looking stork stealing a baby from a man. Right, <laughs> right. Or like a, just a Victorian slumlord or something. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Whereas, yeah, yeah, just put, put in a, putting cartoon explosives at the bottom of a maternity unit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Rees-Mogg I mean, destroys NHS with evil Victorian reforms. Yeah, where, where streeting tough but necessary reforms from Labour. After 13 years of Tory misrule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing I suppose about Starmer is, is, is that, you know, he's had these principles, he's saying something different now. So the question is, like a lot of the kind of centre-left guys are going, well, you, this is just what you've got to do to win an election, right? It's, it's, it's interesting how quickly they've come around to the idea that you just bullshit to win elections, because that used to be the, the thing that they thought was the worst thing you could ever do, is to slightly lie to get votes. And... Um, yeah, if you're going to be fair to Starmer, though, it must be nightmarishly difficult. You've got you've got the unions he's got to keep on board. You've got the left mm. of the party he's got to keep on board and the left of the voter base. But he also has to win. And that's sort of near him. But that's why, I mean, this is, this is a pretty obvious statement. That's why he can't say anything substantive about anything at all, right? Because he's got an impossible coalition there and he just has to wait till he gets in power, right? And that's the point is what he does when he gets in power. So it's either a case yes. that he has... He has now got a different agenda, which means that he lied um, to win the leadership election or that he's going to get power and revert to that agenda. But it just feels like, well, he's lying to someone. I think it'll be very, very bad. All these people that say it can't be any worse. It can. It totally can. <laughs> it can be as bad on the economy and services, etc. And then it can be really left socially in a kind of crazy, right, women having penises kind of way. It's going to get it can be incredibly bad. And also, and some people are like this probably, but. The, the people I speak to, because I live in North London and my football team are very much part of the extended blob. They're all sort of, you know, mm. they're, they're, they're the metropolitan elite, Jeff. And uh, they all want Starmer to go, or some of them want Starmer to go back into the EU in some form. They just think Starmer's going to get in and essentially rejoin, whether it's a single market or, or more than that. That's what they believe. So let's see. Okay, we're just going to do a, a quick hype here. So I'll, I'll go first. If you've got anything you want to push, Nick, go ahead. Uh, the book, the book is out uh, in two months now, The British Bloke Decoded. So I had a little peek at um, pre-sales of the hardback. The hardback is the one that will get you in the Times bestseller list. And look, there, there's some sales on the board. It's doing okay, but I did, I did basically some fag packet maths. And currently I would say that of the amount of people that listen to this podcast, I think maybe 2% have pre-ordered the book. And that is... That is a, um, it, I mean, come on, guys. Like the one, the people that aren't a member of the Patreon, how how can I put this? How can I make this an appealing idea? If 5% of the people that listen to this podcast um, pre-ordered the book, I would probably get in the Times bestseller list. Now, it depends on your mindset as to how you see that. You think, oh, only 5%, someone else would do that. No, you do that. You be part, be part of the 5%. There you go. There's my slogan. There's my Don Draper moment. 
be part of the five percent. If, if you've ever got joy from this podcast, and and you you know you've always thought, I, I, there's, there's something I could do for Jeff. You know, I've sent him dick pics on Instagram, but I think he just leaves them blurred. What else could I possibly do? It's pre-order this book, The British Bloke Decoded, and you will you'll like it. The hardback of it is a, the guys have done brilliant things with with the designs. It's it's a it's a funny book. The, the several human beings have read it now and. And so oh, I think I could say um, Adrian Charles has endorsed the book. There you go. It's about blokes. Wow. It's about blokes and Adrian Charles has endorsed. Oh, you just can't get better than yeah. that, can you? Nick? Well, you just need Richard Keys now, and then you then you'll be there. Yeah. I mean, is it um, <laughs> is there an audible coming? There's out? An, an, an well. The thing is, is the Times bestseller thing is 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 um, dictated by a hardback. So, I, what I'm hoping in my ideal okay. world is that a lot of people, obviously, that you know, will get the hardback and read that, and then. Maybe a month down the line they're going, yeah, but you know, how does it sound? I mean, I just, mm. I just need with my look. I've got a decent sized audience. I probably do need them to buy both versions at some point. Okay, well, buy both. Yeah, absolutely. I'll buy cool. both, Jeff. Okay, and what of yours will I definitely buy, Nick? Well, do you know what, Jeff? It's absolutely free. I'm just simply going to plug my podcast, The Current Thing, which is my mm. solo podcast where we've had. Is this what this section is for, right? Yeah. Plugging yeah. my stuff. Good. <laughs> because I, I don't remember this section. We've had guests like Lord Frost, who I'm surely your audience will be interested in. We've had the great Andrew Doyle. We've had all, Andrew Bridgen. We've had all kinds of people. Really interesting guests. And, of course, Jeff Norcott. So I would absolutely listen to the current thing. It's got a 4.9 rating on Apple. Can't be too bad. So and... the 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 great Andrew Doyle and, of course, Jeff Norcott. <laughs> Cheers. Well, yeah, I mean, Saz. Um, he yeah, is my well, employer, so there, there is that, Jeff. And then my other thing is the Weekly Skeptic podcast, which is basically a bit like what we're doing here. It's a sort of if it's me and Toby Young co-host it, and it's every week, and we just it's it's culture war issues with humor, and uh, and that's that's people love that as well. That's absolutely smashing it. I mean, that's been going a bit longer than mine, and we and we, we had a live event which sold out, and people are loving that. So the current thing and the Weekly Skeptic. They're free, guys. Why not listen? They're both amazing. That's it. That's my plug. Thank you. There you go. If, you, if you're worried about being infected with the woke mind virus, this this is the antidote. Both those podcasts. Okay, we're going to talk about the Hugh Edwards thing. Uh, and I know some people might think it's a bit after the fact, but it, it sort of, because of when I bought the podcast out, I sort of missed the whole thing. And these are more sort of reflections on it, learnings, learnings from the Hugh Edwards affair. And I did think it was kind of incredible the way that it played out, because before we knew who it was, the initial angle seemed to be about a young person who was potentially, you know, some concerned parents. Now, a lot of people would have said, well, they went to the sun, but it did turn out they didn't get paid for it, you know, and they had already complained to the BBC and um you know the, the the person in question was 17 when this started so an adult but this was you know one of the most famous people in the country and a powerful person and what i thought was interesting was the way that it latterly flipped back to considering the welfare of the the presenter i thought it was kind of surprised me the same people saying that we're ignoring some of the principles of me too, right? One of the things about me too is you have to think about power dynamics. So there can be instances where consent is given, but that there's another dynamic at play, which is what was the power of the person who was seeking that consent, and was there any level of duress or lack of, you know, responsibility? And I think that I was trying to think of an example. I was thinking of Louis C.K. Now this is a more direct physical example. But a lot of the allegations against Louis C.K. were based on things that he had reportedly got consent from. 
But latterly, the people involved, not unreasonably, said, well, look, he's one of the most famous people in comedy. We didn't feel that we were in a position to say no. So, I mean, that I, that has surprised me. I don't know if it surprised, surprised you that the, the issue of sort of power dynamic sort of got stripped out of this at some point. Because, mm. I mean, I you're not, if, you, if you're just getting dick pics through a website, right, and it's anonymous, that's a slightly different thing. Once you go outside of that and the, there's direct contact, it does become slightly different, I think. Well, I don't know if it surprised me, but it certainly appalled me. What basically happened, Jeff, was people just took their battle stations and it just became pure mm. tribal culture war. I mean, as I said, if you're not in the club, they'll destroy you for nothing. If you're in the club, they'll defend you no matter what. Because Alistair Campbell wrote a long thread about, oh, Hugh Edwards, mental health, blah, 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 good guy, all this kind of thing. And uh, Jonathan Pye, I know he's been a guest on your show, but Toby Young said if Hugh Edwards was a GB news presenter, the liberal left would be screaming for his head. But because he's a pillar of the BBC, they're demanding the horrid tabloids leave him alone, claiming it's a purely personal matter. And Jonathan Pye said if he was a GB news presenter, no one would give an F, but clearly completely false. I mean, you know, as I've said, we're... we're well, I don't endless- know if that's the best example. That's the problem. I, so I think the best example, if you want to tease out the hypocrisy, is if it was Piers Morgan and the publication breaking the story is The Guardian. That, for me, is the yin-yang the direct yin in terms of status and publications, then quite rightly, you would see this flip. And it would be on both sides, by the way. There would be a lot of people who were quite gleefully at- attacking the BBC who would then flip to, well, you know, it's his own private life and so on. I think that it de- it definitely became, because it was the Sun and because it was the BBC, I felt like a degree of objectivity was lost in the coverage of this story. Yeah, the, the reason GB is relevant is because there is now an attack currently on on Dan Wooten being launched. So you can just you can just watch in real time the difference. But yeah, fair point. Yes, it became about the sun is a terrible newspaper. There's a very strange thing where people kept saying it's not illegal. It's not illegal what he's done. It's like hmm. remember morality, guys? Is that is that is that still a thing? And morality was completely thrown out the window with this gaslighting claim that it's not illegal. And by the way, it's not that I'm going around like casting stones. It's not like I have I, I massively have it in for Hugh Edwards. I mean he's quite smug and lefty and he wore the mask and went on about COVID, but, and now he's, you know, his personal life is dodgy, but, but it's, it's the, it is the hypocrisy and it is the tribalism. And this morality thing is very strange because if you remember when Hancock did his indiscretion, everyone like was rushing to say, it's his private life. I don't mind what he does in his private life, but he broke the lockdown rules, which by the way is where Hugh could come on as well, because he allegedly broke the lockdown rules as mm. well to meet this uh, other person, the second person. So they cared about the lockdown, but the morality of the sort of Whoever, whatever you want to call them, Jeff, Matt Goodwin, we call them the new elite, their morality, they don't really have a morality that comes from anywhere like Christianity or anything like that. So they make it up ad hoc. So they they care about lockdown rules. You can't break the lockdown rules. That's 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 sacrilege. But you can do anything in your private life because in their sort of liberal worldview, that's all completely fine. But it's obviously not fine, is it? Paying for pictures, allegedly, if it's still allegedly paying for pictures, when you're married and it's a young person, it's obviously not great, is it? I, well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's. I don't imagine that when his wife found out. Look, all right, put it another way: is if I knew anybody, uh, my my age or older, around sixty one, and they said to me that that was what they were engaged in, I would not think that that was a great idea, right? F- forget whether or not you're the the main anchor on a state funded broadcaster. I'd say, what the fuck are you playing at, mate? Like, why are you doing this? Do you know what I mean, if you if you've realised that you're gay or you want, you know, this is this is this is likely to blow up in your face. And and I also think that 
you know, if people listening to this, like if, if you're more sort of team Hugh, like it's his private life, if you had a 17 year old relative, and I, I understand that the person involved is, is older now. If you had a 17 year old relative uh, who was um, having someone that famous request and pay for images from, can I just check you're still there, mate? Or you, mm-hmm. you just hadn't blinked or moved for fucking ages. It was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just intensely listening to your point. Yeah. If you had a 17-year-old that that was happening to, you, you I mean, I could totally understand why the parents were concerned because you think that, you know, the, the, the young person may have come out and said, oh, it's absolutely fine. There's no story here. A 20-year-old getting shitloads of money for sexual content isn't always definitely the best judge of of what's you know potentially right from them, and you, you're absolutely right. It is um it, 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 the idea that that you know tax avoid grand scale tax avoidance is legal, but that, those same people I would imagine would have a view on that, right? You know the grand the big corporations that don't pay tax for virtually in any country. So I, I found that the main sort of reflection on this, and as you said, I totally agree with this. The, you know, Hugh Edwards, I don't want his life to be destroyed forever. You know what I mean? I don't. You know, I have no personal massive animosity to him but i thought that the hypocrisy that came out of this and i also felt like if this isn't a story right so people say oh it's not a story if this isn't a story then nothing is celebrities do what the fuck you want because if the the main anchor on bbc the guy that did the queen's funeral being engaged in activities like this then seriously get some hookers around get some fucking as long as it's legal do what the fuck you want because we've got a new set of rules now and, and one thing that's interesting is is that the, the, well? My podcast is called "The Current Thing" because you know that meme. I support the current thing, and it, it was like COVID, and it was the war in Ukraine, and it switches. What happens now is a narrative is sort of very rapidly assembled and pushed quite aggressively. And and Owen Jones saying the sun are disgusting, and Alistair Campbell saying what about his mental health? And it, and it's quite interesting how it can change though. Like Schofield was brave. We had to all call Schofield brave. And I made a joke on stage at the time, you know, talking about I've been engaged and it didn't work out and I felt bad for wasting two years of this woman's life. But then I r- realized Philip Schofield wasted 27 years of a woman's life and I felt a bit better because that was his wife. And it was, everyone was like, ooh, <laughs> even at Comedy Unleashed, like, ooh. And it was quite like an ooh. Now cut to a few months later, suddenly Schofield is evil and everyone's decided, right, we're done with him now. But the narrative at the time was he was brave for being secretly gay and sort of completely ruining his wife's life, in my opinion. So similarly with this, the establishment has rallied and decided that Hugh Edwards is good, but it could change and something could come out down the line. They suddenly throw him under the bus. Well, this is what I think is really odd is that that Tim Davey, who whatever people think, or if they think I'm being a brown nose, whatever, is a very savvy bloke, right? So he has said repeatedly that this is a very complex situation and the investigation is ongoing, which I sort of think could mean there's a lot of other stuff here, potentially. And and what I thought was fucking incredible was that it turned out that there were BBC colleagues who also made allegations. And then John Sopel, fucking Soaps, I'll say this, newscasters should not have nicknames, all right? Soaps and mateless, hey? Soaps and mateless. Soaps was there going, oh, look. And he, somebody mentioned to him the allegations uh, from BBC colleagues, and he literally just dismissed them with a hand wave and called them something. Look, I'm not quite, I, I recall it as something like nonsense, but he was certainly very dismissive. I thought, fuck me, man. That is like, it, dial it back to 2017 and me too. You would not, nobody in that position would have waved away any such thing. You said, well, this is very serious. That is a person in position of, there's no one bigger in news. That Hugh Edwards and and then you know what happens what is in the their end? argument? It's completely tribal, isn't it? Like you said, the, the power imbalance yeah. is gone, the Me Too stuff's gone. They have no consistent set of moral principles, and the, it seems to be purely we like this guy 
end of story. Is it yeah, one of one of us. And then and then of course the mental health thing that comes in. And then it's true to say that Hugh Hugh Edwards has already spoken about he does have a genuine history of mental health, you know, it's obviously a serious thing. But in these kind of stories now, what may you may find is that that then they then becomes the crane kick, you know, in karate kid, where the crane kick at the end is the thing you cannot fight against. Mental health just just once you said that, everyone shits the bed. Yeah, there was even that story that the BBC were were looking into it, and the Sun just basically got there first. But yeah, so there's the journalistic freedom aspect. Then there's the mental health aspect, which is complicated because obviously Caroline Flack did kill herself, and it, and it can mm. it can happen. And we and I mean obviously I've struggled. With, I say obviously, <laughs> obviously I've struggled with mental health. No, I go with obviously. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, <laughs> so I have sympathy for that to an extent, but of course it can be misused, can't it? Where if some narcissist. I mean, maybe scopeful, who knows? But someone can just completely miss it, who has no mental health or or intention yeah. of doing anything because they're too narcissistic to even ever do anything to themselves. But they just they can just drop that card. What most people think. Um, it was one just interesting, funny postscript. This Jeremy Vine obviously got a bit wrapped up in this. And the thing is, right? Obviously, I'm up here on the show. I work with Jeremy. It's weird the shit that he gets, right? He, he and I know like the people have their views on the cycling videos. But he's just a nice guy. He's nice to all the crew that he works with and stuff. And he was talking about like the, you know, he was out. People were calling him a fucking like shouting nonsense. Like like it really for all of those presenters, there was a really big sudden issue in their lives of, of a witch hunt. But he also said something to me that was really funny that somebody said I can, you know, all these people saying I can reveal it is. They said I can reveal it is. Uh, Jeremy Vine, who's not only a, a, a nonce, but is also a cyclist. <laughs> I thought it was, was just unbelievable. And obviously Jeremy was laughing about that as well. The fact that they sort of rank those two things uh, equally. Okay, uh, just one letter here, a bit of uh, a bit of fun. This is from a Patreon, but I think it's better if I don't name them and you'll, you'll probably see why when I read the story uh jeff bit of a fun question an ex-employee of mine who was a right shithouse while i employed them has ripped off my street food business copy and pasted stuff off my website has copied menus word for word taken reviews and photos and claimed them as his own right this is passing off on an epic scale i've been trying to think of something comical to do in retaliation and thought your comic mind uh would help and i thought about creating a fake work request paying a small work deposit then just sat there laughing when he arrives i mean that you i think you've got the best idea there is just put in a huge order uh, and i would say that when you get them to quote for it just do all of those things that suggest you've got more money than sense so they quote high as well get that person to really think that this is kind of uh this is life changing sum of money yeah, yeah. Hang on, they've just completely ripped off his, his yeah business. his street food business. I mean, one thing I would say generally about the street food thing is that most street food isn't street food, is it? But there was a thing that happened about ten years ago in this country where someone said, "Um, you know, in Thailand, the food you get on the street is actually better than the stuff we get in the restaurant." And then loads of places called themselves street food, even though like it was in a bricks and mortar fucking restaurant. You go, it's like when pubs say home cooked food, and then you see them defrosting a, a fry up and sticking it in the microwave. Um. So I have an issue with the word street food business, but I do have a lot of sympathy with what's happened here. Is, yeah, um, I hate people stealing. So people have stolen my tweets. I, I never forget. If people steal a tweet from me, they're in my black book forever. People stole my podcast. That's a whole other story. But yeah, anything stolen, it'll stay with you forever. So yeah, any I I I, I approve of massive revenge on on whoever's done this. Could you could you do like with, a legal uh, revenge? Could you do like a just stop oil on them? You know what I mean? Just, just just run up and just just put like orange fucking stuff in whatever his street food is. 
It might make it look better though, especially if it's a tikka masala. Just speaking of just up oil, I don't know if you saw this. It's an opportunity to get this in hypocrisy. On the one hand, we've got Jordan Henderson, uh, the footballer who's signing for a Saudi club, despite wearing the old rainbow laces and being an ally. Brilliant. It always happens, doesn't it? You know, morality until... I mean, the one thing about Jordan Henderson was they were saying like, oh, is it, you know, it's a real life-changing sum of money. His life changed the moment he signed a fucking professional contract. He's been a millionaire ever since he came out of the youth team, so don't give me that shit. But anyway, going, going back to Just Stop Oil, and you can come back on the Jordan Henderson thing in a minute, is um, there was this... Uh, so this woman that disrupted George Osborne's wedding, who honestly, I don't give a shit if he had some orange confetti, particularly. I don't think it's the nicest thing to do, but whatever, there's worse things happening. Turns out that in 2019, she got her local council to, to declare a climate emergency, the woman that did this protest. And then shortly after that, went on a holiday thousands of mile, miles away to the Far East. Oh, yeah, yeah. She jetted to Thailand for three weeks, a 10,000-mile round trip by airplane and 3.3 <laughs> tonnes of carbon emissions. I mean, yeah, she was awful. I, even before that, she was awful. I mean, firstly... They managed to get people sympathizing with George Osborne, which is nearly impossible. So you got oh, yeah, hats yeah. off to that. I mean, that's how hated they are. I thought it was disgusting. It completely breaks the trust. It, it breaks down the sort of public and private spheres. You know, it's people like, well, Osborne killed 300,000 people. No, he didn't. You were talking, yes, he didn't like the austerity policy. That doesn't mean he should have his wedding interrupted. I thought it was disgusting. Also, it, it also, the smug, idiotic look on her face really I know, that was me. what got annoyed me. When she turned yeah. around like, hmm, I've done my bit. I... Yeah, I've done something good. It's like you're like a sort of weird, like psychotic child that's just done something horrendous and, you know, thinks it's one. It's like, it's a complete breakdown of morality. It's like, you've done nothing good. You're an awful person. And what, what are they going to do next year? Like, I'm thinking like protesting funerals. I'm thinking they could go to like uh, maternity wards and because you know they, they don't want the birth rates to be too high, presumably because that's bad for the environment. Just start, pr- mm. just like start interrupting births of anyone that's had more than two kids and just like kind of push the kid back in. I don't know. I'm just just speculating <laughs> what, what they might do next. Oh, you know, uh, or, orange paint on the baby. That might be the. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just thought of something so disgusting. I'm not even going to say it. it um, bad. Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. Patreons, if if you message me, I'll tell you what I just thought of. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we used that letter there just to get into a couple of things there. And, you know, these, these footballers, like, you're not a fucking ally if at the point where you're offered five million quid, um, you, you, you basically junk all your principles. The Guardian said it was better to advocate for equality than say nothing at all. Now, I think it would have been better if you just said nothing at all and just yeah, play absolutely. sport. And just, if you play sport, take a load of money, I'm fine with that. But yeah, it's once you engage in the cultural stuff, then, of course, people are going to say, what are you doing, Jordan? Well, it's really funny for me with footballers because obviously I was doing a lot of writing on topical shows back in the early part of the last decade and mid bit. And then um, top footballers up to a point were like the standard gag about them was that they would commit a sex offence in a hotel and that they were awful. You know, like comedy as a rule just thought footballers were awful. And then the shift in paradigm that occurred the moment that some of them said, fuck pretty Patel, it was immediate. These wonderful young men from troubled backgrounds with, you know, like these working class lads that are just trying to earn a few bob. I'm like, look, don't, please, look, if they're a premiership footballer and they've come through the academy of that club, they've been rich since they were 16. So you can make all sorts of defences, but don't tell me like they just they just suddenly fucking had a little win on a scratch card. They've been millionaires for years. And, and I think that it does matter on an individual level because Jordan Henderson going to a Saudi club is really like, you know, that's a threshold moment. This is a player that's still in a good point in his career. It is sports watching. And I don't, I don't, like you say, I don't give a fuck. I don't think Tyson Fury has ever sort of set himself up as the world's greatest ally. 
Whereas Jordan Henderson has been running around with the rainbow laces. And listen, as Nick says, do check out his podcast and check him out regularly on GB News Headliners. And Nick Dixon, uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. And Nick Dixon, thank you very much for being on What Most People Think. Thanks, mate. See you next week. Bye.